voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Welcome in, Tiger fans. We got a special edition of Hearing Voices, kind of the super regional edition, if you will, is LSU baseball moving on after picking up the win in the regionals, the championship game against Oregon State. They get to take on the Kentucky Wildcats for the second time this season, second time this year here in Baton Rouge as the Wildcats got out of their own regional with a big win over Indiana on Monday night. So we're going to talk to, well, one of the voices you'll hear this weekend, the voice of Kentucky basketball, Darren Hedrick, good longtime friend of mine. Darren, first off, welcome back to Baton Rouge. I know you had a great time in mid-April, and yeah. here you go. Get to enjoy it a little bit here in mid-June. We are excited to be back, Chris. You know, and, and the biggest thing for me is there's a little more on the line than when we were here a couple of months ago. You know, I, I want to talk about Kentucky, and we'll talk about the regional this past weekend. But, you know, all this week, people have asked me, hey, did you expect to be here with LSU? I mean, preseason number one, they were number one through most of the year. They've got a roster that uh, front offices in Major League Baseball can't wait to get their hands on. So, yes, I kind of expected it. Didn't take sure. it for granted. You got to – the team had to go out sure. and win. But you kind of thought there was a chance to be here. What's the thought for Coach Mangione and the Wildcats? Do they feel the same way? Did they feel the same way two months ago? You know what? I thought they had – they thought they had a chance to get here. You know, this is a very talented team, but when you bring in so many new players, there's always questions of will this roster fill out the way we expect it to. It was a top six uh, class in terms of the transfer portal, and uh, so they, they kind of went through, and, and back in the fall, you could see them start to come together. There was a really quick chemistry that developed among these guys, and I credit first baseman Hunter Gillum because he talked about he said, hey, we're a bunch of older guys who have never won anything, and this is our last chance, and we want to do that. And that has kind of been the motto of this team all year. And as they went into the non-conference portion of the regular season, they were winning games against quality teams like Wright State, who was in a regional, Indiana State, who's in a super regional. They swept the Sycamores at Kentucky Proud Park. And then all of a sudden they got into the SEC, Chris, and they swept Mississippi State, went on the road and beat Alabama two out of three swept Missouri and it's like this team could be special and it was at that point I start thinking this team can do something electric in the postseason and, and here we are. Well here we are indeed we're at Alec Box Stadium as the Wildcats are practicing here getting ready for the beginning of the Super Regionals two o'clock first pitch central time um, in the Super Regionals between the Tigers and the Wildcats and you know it's funny that you mentioned the fact that you know they they got off to a great start in SEC play and kind of like the little engine that could as they started to pick up series wins they get more confident yeah. how confident is this team coming out of that regional because they had to battle at kentucky yeah. proud park but boy they had a great crowd behind them record uh there at the ballpark relatively new um and to me they got to come over for the second trip to baton rouge feeling a little more confident than they did the first time i totally agree and they've got a lot of momentum and this is a momentum group with the way they play the style of the attack they're on and and so I feel like they're coming in here with a lot of confidence, especially defensively because they played so well. You know, they, they were able to score runs. They scored 26 games in the two they had to play on Sunday. And pitching-wise, I don't know if there's maybe a more confident group right now or maybe a deeper group 
than this pitching staff for Kentucky. So I'm anxious to see how they do. And, and you're right, having been here at Alex Box Stadium, they've faced this LSU lineup. They've seen this crowd. Now we're going to ratchet it up a little more this weekend, obviously. But uh, I, they do have a lot of confidence coming in this weekend. You know, you go back to that mid-April series here. Looked like LSU was going to steamroll the Cats mm-hmm. there in game one. Uh, run rule Kentucky. To their credit, and we were told going in, Jay Johnson said it all week leading up to that series, this is a team, if you put men on base anyway, if they hit to get on base, if you walk them, if you hit them by pitch, once they get aboard, they become dangerous. Kind of like the Cobra and the Mongoose. The speed of Kentucky is the danger. Um, And they got back, evened up that series, 13-10 winning game two. They eventually lost game three. What was kind of Coach Mingione's feeling coming away, albeit two months ago, but coming off a series where you come to a place like Baton Rouge, Alec Box Stadium, at the time, number one team, what did he take away from the weekend? You know, I think the biggest takeaway for him and this whole team was, hey, we are pretty darn good. If we were able to go into Alex Box Stadium and go toe-to-toe with the number one team, and I still think LSU is one of the best teams in the country, they were able to go toe-to-toe with them and made the Tigers sweat it a little bit there on that Sunday game. But uh, the biggest takeaway was, hey, we do belong where we're at. We can compete with the best of the best in the Southeastern Conference. And I think that was sort of the, the turning point for this team and getting them to the spot they're in now. Again, Darren mentioned it. Darren Hedrick, our guest, voice of Kentucky baseball. He mentioned it. It's going to be a little more ratcheted up, if you will, here at the box, uh, expecting standing room only when Kentucky and LSU get together here on Saturday. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about, I I was busy last weekend just like you. We had a little action here. We had some weather. We had some delays. We did not finish up until Monday. I didn't get to see every game that Kentucky played in, but I saw two. I saw the game against Indiana on Sunday, and then I saw the game on Monday night, obviously. So I go back, and I'm looking at the the pitchers that we saw, starters and out of the bullpen in that first series. Am I crazy, or is it just because they had to come out of the loser's bracket that we got guys maybe in different roles, very effective, just different than what we saw in April? Yeah, I think it's it's just about with anybody this time of year it's using your best arms and Kentucky had to stretch it out a little bit because they had to play five games and you know I think we're going to see Travis Smith and Zach Lee of course but the guy that really stood out Chris was Mason Moore all of a sudden he went from a guy who was going one or two innings trying to close games to he was going 10 innings over two appearances only allowed four hits no runs to Ball State and Indiana and took home two wins. Darren Williams suddenly is starting for this team in in that decisive game, which real quickly, just a special story about Darren Williams for the LSU fans. He tore his UCL last year, about two weeks, three weeks into the SEC season. That was year number six for him. They went back and looked and he could get a medical red shirt. And he said, I want to come back and help get this team to a regional. So Darren went through the Tommy John surgery, did all the rigors of the rehab process and got back. And in that big moment, I kind of get goosebumps talking about it. In the big moment, they gave him the ball in the game that he came back for, and he held Indiana to two runs on on, over four innings and helped them get that win to get to the Super Regional. Yeah, it is a great story. And, uh, again, this Kentucky team, uh, I I said the little engine that could, and and that's out of pure respect. That was one of my favorite books when I was about four years old. Um, But but it's a team that, that, again, I think is dangerous, and people ask me all week long, you know, what worries you the most? And I said, it's, it's a Kentucky team that finds a way to score. You hear in baseball all the time, you get them on, you get them over, and you get them in. You guys use just about every way possible to do that. 
Anything different offensively about this team we'll see this weekend as to what we saw in mid-April? I can't remember how many there were in the three-game series in April, but Kentucky absorbed 22 hit-by-pitches in their regional against Ball State, West Virginia, and Indiana. And I think 13 of those were against the Hoosiers. So they were taking one for the team quite literally to get guys on base. And the other thing we're starting to see is the power is starting to be there. Everybody wants to talk about Kentucky's run game and the bunt game. They do have some power. It may be a little more line drive, gap to gap, but we're starting to see the the power numbers climb for them a little bit, and it's just made them even more versatile and even harder to defend. Jay Johnson says all the time that, you know, his team has a lot of distractions. They were preseason number one. They were number one, as I mentioned, through most of the year. And he said, hey, that's great. That's what other people think about us. We have to know who we are. We have to know what our job is. And I really think that after a little bit of a dip down the last stretch of the regular season where where they struggled a little bit, I think they've been able to recapture that fire. Sure. Probably a couple of days off helps as well between the end of the regular season and only three games in Hoover and then getting back over here. But for Kentucky, people that I know, I grew up in the state, so I have friends who still live in the Lexington area, and they say, Nick Mingione has created this atmosphere with the number of transfers that you mentioned earlier, still kind of a band of brothers, which I think is probably the biggest tip of the cap you can give a head coach to bring all those new people in and be able to to fortify them as a group. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at Kentucky at the start of the year, and I said this is a team that's come together playing for the name on the front of the jersey, which can always make a team dangerous. But you look at their roster, they're not a team of, necessarily superstars they don't have a dylan cruz or a tommy wide or a paul Skeens, but what they do have is just a bunch of guys that have come together as a team and they just continue to get tighter and tighter and sometimes you see teams form clicks this group doesn't have that they they all are pulling the rope in the same direction and i, I think that's part of what's made them so dangerous i've really been impressed with the chemistry of this team it's very unique I know that coming in this week, a lot of LSU fans certainly were hoping to start this series on Friday. But again, both teams, LSU finished up earlier on Monday, mm-hmm. but you guys had to play Monday night. You kind of sensed it would be a Saturday through Monday possible uh, series. What was the travel like? I mean, you guys certainly celebrating Monday night at home, mm-hmm. and then you have to quickly turn around and get the logistics going of right. getting from Lexington, Kentucky, over here to Baton Rouge. When did you guys arrive? How did you arrive? Well, first of all, shout out to Brock Dowd, our director of operations. I don't think he's slept since Monday night trying to get all the arrangements together, but they were able to get Tuesday off. They practiced Wednesday. They practiced uh, Thursday morning and then flew Thursday night. So they flew last night. Uh, Got here. We're practicing right now at Alex Box Stadium. So it's actually been pretty nice. The plane ride was smooth. We got in. Guys got to eat a really nice uh, home-cooked jambalaya down here in Baton Rouge. So got some rest. So it actually hasn't been too bad. You know, I I was going to ask you another thing. You mentioned Paul Skeens, and, of course, Paul was on the mound for the run rule. Yeah. But I did notice, and I had to ask you about this, in the game notes for Kentucky, they have a new, (laughs) I guess, verb. It's called skeened, (laughs) S-K-E-N-E-D. Yeah. Uh, And it basically said, while they didn't win the game, they had some success against Paul Skeens. Now, I joke with you a little bit because that's in the game notes. Right. But if it's in the game notes, that means Coach Mingione has taken something from that game to build on. What is that? You know, I think the biggest thing was how they were able to attack and they found some success against Skeens. So they've got some confidence. They've seen his stuff. Now, his stuff is exceptional. And I have no doubt when he takes the mound, he is going to be on. 
And so that's going to make the challenge even harder. But I think the biggest thing for Coach Mangione is we have seen one of the best guys in the game, in the college game, a future first round, if not the number one, maybe the number two overall pick, depending on what how they want to do it. But we, we've seen him. We had some success. So, guys, here is – the approach you have to have, we have to be on the attack. I think that's the biggest takeaway. You know, having grown up in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, I was laughing. We were doing the game on Monday, Monday afternoon, and I kept saying, you know, the winner of this game between LSU and Oregon State will take on the winner of Kentucky and Indiana, and we're not talking basketball. <laughs> When's the last time a Kentucky-Indiana matchup had that type of implication? Man, it, it has been a while because the two teams hardly play anymore. You don't see it in football. You don't see it in basketball. And – the sort of the sour note at the end of that regional after the game was over is Indiana's coach announcing, hey, we're done. The series is over unless we see them again in postseason play. And I think part of that is due to the ongoing uh, expansion of conferences. We kind of lose some of these non-conference rivalries because Kentucky's got to play Oklahoma and Texas now. So, uh, But that's the unfortunate thing. But that's probably – I think that's one thing that the Big Blue Nation fell in love with was the fact we get to play Indiana with something on the line. It's been years since that happened. Yeah, that's what I was going to think. It's been a long time. <laughs> something also I heard uh, that you guys, or the Wildcats anyway, went over to shake hands with the Hoosiers, and they yeah. were having none of it. Yeah, I don't know if that was the NCAA or if that was Indiana. I don't know all the, the details down there on the field, but you know our, our guys tried to shake hands, and uh, they remained in the dugout, and that was their choice. <laughs> Darren Hedrick, our guest, he's going to be on the call with the Big Blue Sports Network, uh, Voice of Kentucky Baseball. Um, you know, I was asked earlier today about the, the, the number of teams that hosted in regional play that did not make it to the Supers. Now you've got Kentucky and LSU here in Baton Rouge. You got Florida and South Carolina down in Gainesville. Uh, you got Alabama who's still, I mean, you, the SEC still alive yeah. with a lot of chances to get to Omaha. But you played at home. You saw the battle having to play five games. Do you, did you get a sense that, yeah, it, it may be hard to win at home just because you're at home College baseball doesn't make it easy. There is a lot of pressure when you're at home. You know, for our guys, the first couple of times we set attendance records at home this year against Louisville and then sometimes in the regionals, we, we didn't win those games. And now part of that was Louisville had one of their best games of the season. Florida was a team that we were able to beat in front of uh, one of the record crowds. We had a record crowd against Indiana, lost that game in heartbreaking fashion 5-3. to three. I, I just think there's a lot of pressure when these guys look around and see the crowd and how loud it is. You can't help but get emotional as a player out on the field. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it does put a lot of pressure on you. And fortunately, our guys have none on them this weekend. <laughs> you know, LSU, of course, uh, a staple when it comes to postseason play. Obviously one of the, the elite when it comes to college baseball. I'm not telling you something you didn't already yeah. know. Uh, and this is the time of the year that Tiger fans can't wait for. I mean, there's yeah. football season. Uh, now there's women's basketball season. Of course. But there's baseball season. And it's been that way long before I got here. People mm -hmm. love the start of baseball in February. Big crowds come out every weekend. The Tigers are at home. You mentioned the, the crowd responding in Lexington with the regional on the yeah. line. It's a basketball school. It's a basketball state. I grew up there. Are there more people now talking about Wildcat baseball over the last couple of weeks than maybe they were a month ago? I think we are seeing a lot of buy-in from Big Blue Nation with this group. I wish we had the opportunity to get back in front of the home fans one more time before the College World Series. But, uh, you know, we played our last game there for the year. But they really bought in and, and love this team. And, 
you know, I think part of that, aside from the winning, because the winning always draws, is our guys this year were so approachable. They stayed and signed every autograph. They greeted fans, win or lose. They were just so approachable and, and easy to talk to, and, and our fans bought into that. But um, to see Kentucky Proud Park packed like that, to see the buy-in, and, and I've always said since I've lived there, Kentucky is a low-key baseball state. There's some good baseball in the state of Kentucky, and I think this year is going to help Coach Mingione and this program start to draw more of that talent maybe away from the Derby City and back towards Lexington, hopefully. All right. Well, again, we've got Darren Hedrick breaking down the matchup before I let you go. Kind of touched on, you know, how Kentucky won game two in that series back in April. We've talked about how much more confident they are coming in uh, this time around, having the experience they had in the first series in the regular season. Keys to, to Kentucky. When you, when you hear Coach Mingione talk, when you're around the guys, maybe not what they would do differently, but what yeah. do they have to do better? You know, I think the one thing they have to do better is when this place gets rocking and rolling and the LSU lineup gets rolling, the pitching staff has got to be able to step off. You don't really have time to do that anymore, but you have to be able to take a breath, slow the game down. You have to pitch to this lineup, LSU's lineup. You have to pitch to it not only executing but with conviction. You've got to be confident in your ability to pitch to these guys, and that you know, is easier said than done when you've got Dylan Cruz up there who hits anything that you throw out there. Tommy White can hit anything. You know, you've got other guys in that lineup. I don't mean to just single out those two, but you've got to pitch with convention, conviction, and you've got to keep LSU in their ballpark. You can't just come in here and let them hit six or seven home runs. That's not going to go well for Kentucky. On the other side of things, if you're the Wildcats, you have to get on base, and when you do get guys in scoring position, you must take advantage. You have to be able to score. All right, last thing I have for you. Let's say the weather is absolutely beautiful from now until Monday. Mm-hmm. No problems on Saturday, blue skies and sunshine. Who does Kentucky put out on the mound to start? You know, I I think we're going to see a combination of Travis Smith, redshirt freshman. He's got outstanding stuff. He's from Walton, Kentucky. I think we're going to see Zach Lee, whose slider has been wiped out for the last couple of months. I think you're going to see Darren Williams probably get the ball at some point. And then the back end of that bullpen is fresh, they're healthy, and they're ready to go. Do you think they move the starter at all? I mean, because yeah. what I'm getting at is is there's a there's a game of chess going on. Sure. Is Coach Jay Johnson going to start Paul Skeens in game one the way he did last week against conventional wisdom, I might add, uh, against Tulane to start the regional? Does Kentucky go ahead and say, all right, we'll let him throw Skeens. We'll save our best for game two. That That is a great question, and that's something that we, uh, our, our SID, Matt May and I, have, have uh, talked about. Do you go ahead and pitch Travis Smith against Paul Skeens and save Zach Lee for game number two? You know, is uh, because Skeens is so good, you know, and so do you, do you try to throw a guy that you know can get outs like Travis Smith that's confident and save Zach Lee to try to even the series? Or if you somehow win game one, maybe you've got an opportunity now to win game two and end the series. It's a great conversation. And I'm anxious to see what uh, – Coach Mingione decides to do. He's not tipped his hand to me yet. Well, I was going to say, the same conversations <laughs> are taking place just over here in the right. LSU clubhouse because there's a lot of people who think, why not go with Ty Floyd? Ty Floyd is undefeated on the year. I yeah. mean, he has a solid record. He has pitched well, and his last couple of starts have been really good enough to beat anybody. Right. So do you do that 
on Saturday so yeah. that you got possibly Paul Skeens to win you a series that's, on Saturday. That's a on great Sunday. point. That's a great point, and why not use your best arm to try and lock up a trip to Omaha? So I guess you and I can wait till they meet at home plate before we can fill out our lineups tomorrow because you or I may not know. Well, I didn't know who was starting for Kentucky until about an hour before all the uh, for all five games in the regional, so I think you and I are in the same boat there. <laughs> well, Darren, certainly, man, it's uh, good to see you. Uh, uh, you're one of the guys that I listen to whenever I'm traveling around. I invite you to do it, except this weekend, maybe next year. <laughs> tune into a Kentucky baseball game. Uh, but it's great to have you back here in Baton Rouge. Enjoy your time here. Let's have a great series. Um, Let's do it. I'll, I'll tell you best of luck, and I'll leave it at that. All right. Sounds good, Chris. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, good luck to the Tigers. Good luck to the Cats. All right. Darren Hedrick's been our guest this week on this special super regional edition of Hearing Voices. And because we're coming here from Alec Box Stadium, the iconic college baseball venue, I want to thank Harrison Valentine. Because normally, we're up there in the beautiful, luxurious LSU Gold Studios. But because it's baseball season, because it's the super regionals, I asked Harrison for a favor, and the guy comes through. So thanks to his hard work, we get to sit here in these chairs with these stick mics and talk LSU and Kentucky. So thanks to Harrison. Thanks to Darren. Thanks to you. And uh, until next time, this is Chris Blair still hearing voices.